Welcome to On The Ledge Podcast, episode 134, your source of plant sanity amid the madness. In this week's episode, we will be returning to our monster relief emoji quest. And I answer a question about that darling of Instagram, Begonia Maculata YTI. I came across a tweet the other day and it was somebody who'd been in a business meeting with their boss on, I guess it was Zoom and or maybe Microsoft Teams, one of these programs that seem to be dominating some of our lives right now. Anyway, the person's boss had managed to turn on filters so they ended up looking like a potato and they had to spend the whole meeting as a potato because they couldn't figure out how to switch it off. I am that potato, feeling a a little bit uh, wizened today, if I can put it that way. I hope you're doing okay and that you and your loved ones are safe at home and well. I mean, I really have nothing to complain about. I've got a great set of people to live with during this lockdown, my husband and children, and of course, Wolfie. I've got my garden, I've got my houseplants, I've got my shed. What more could I need? But just feeling a little bit tired and discombobulated, if I can put it that way. I'm sure that you've all had that feeling yourselves over the last few weeks. But we're here to talk about plants and that always makes me feel better. I mentioned in the midweek bonus number three that I was trying to reach my target of 200 patrons. I'm not quite there yet, and that's not through a lack of people coming forward and joining, but we have had a few people drop out. This is totally understandable. I really appreciate that at this time, some of you are going to have to trim your expenses. So that's absolutely fine. We're not at 200, but in the spirit of the fact that we've had extra patrons, which would have taken us up to 200 anyway, I'm going to set up that Facebook Live. I'm open to suggestions as to when we do this. It's quite difficult to find a time that's suitable for everybody. But I'm thinking maybe we go for one evening next week at seven o'clock GMT, which is, I think, four o'clock EDT. Let me know how that sounds, if there's a good day for you. And I will put out a message on all the usual social media channels about when that's happening. I'd love to see you there. It's a chance to wig out about plants on Facebook Live. What could be better? My new patrons this week are Catherine and Rachel, who became crazy plant people, Jordan, who became a legend, and my superfan Anthony has doubled his pledge. And Anthony sent me a lovely message thanking me for the extra work I'm doing, which are keeping his spirits up when he's alone at work or locked in his home office. So thank you, Anthony. That's really generous of you. And I really value your support. And do go over to Instagram to check out what I'm calling Perone's Plants, which is me nabbing away into my smartphone for five minutes about a plant that I grow. And you can find me at j.l.perone for that. And if you happen to be into growing your own food, I'm doing a live Q&A on the Financial Times website tomorrow. That's the Saturday, the 4th of April 2020 at midday and 5 p.m. GMT. I'll stick the link in the show notes. It's a chance to pick my brains about growing food. Jen got in touch to say she's been having problems with her Saxifraga stolonifera tricolor. 
that's the beautiful variegated form of the strawberry begonia, which you may remember from episode 104. And she's been struggling with this plant and wanted to ask for some advice. And it flagged up something that I hadn't realised. When I made that episode, which was when it was really, really hot in the summer, I was growing my plants in terracotta pots. And they did fine over the summer, but I did find over the winter that with less watering, they just dried out too much. And I've now put all my Saxifraga stolonifera into plastic pots. And I'm finding they're doing better. So just a little tip, and I will go and add this to the show notes of the strawberry Saxifraga saxifrage episode that if you are struggling with your strawberry saxifrage in a terracotta pot do try plastic sometimes with some plants you'll find that terracotta just doesn't work for you it partly depends on your watering style if you're the kind of waterer who is generally over generous then terracotta will work absolutely fine over winter but if like me you're a bit mean with your plants over the winter then you may wish to switch them over to plastic so so apologies for that jen i hope your tricolor recovers soon and as I say I'll add a note onto the show notes of the original episode just to give you a heads up on that one and I chat about saxifragia stolonifera in one of those recent Perones plants Instagram videos and we'll do question of the week first this one comes from Jody who sent me a picture of some cuttings they are rooting in some rather stylish jars. And the plant in question is Begonia maculata whiteii. And they look like they've got a fantastic root system on them. But Jodie asks, what do I do next with this divide and conquer adventure? All looking healthy. And my, they really are looking healthy, Jodie. Well, the roots look like they're a reasonable length. Hard to say exactly, but they look about five centimetres long, which is ideal for potting up. So this is the moment of truth, really. You need to put them in some houseplant potting mix. I would give a little bit of extra drainage for those maculata whitey eyes. They don't want something too claggy. So maybe stick them in some houseplant compost with a bit of perlite mixed in. And when you pot them up, just make sure you're very delicate with the roots because that root system is the key to the success of that cutting development coming into the future so make sure you're very very delicate with the roots and just carefully nestle them into the soil then just get a clear plastic bag and stick that over the whole thing the pot and the cutting and what this does it gives a, a, an amazing microclimate so if you can imagine it's protected from drafts it's protected from extremes of hot and cold air humidity is increased which takes the pressure off the roots uh, in terms of getting uh, moisture up from the soil so that's a really great way to provide a plant with a bit of a buffer as it tries to establish you don't need to leave it in the bag forever obviously i would start opening the bag up just for a few minutes a day gradually increase that and so that eventually the plant can be out of the bag just keep a close eye on it when you do that transfer because that really is the moment where the plant can suffer so yeah try to put it somewhere where you're going to be able to look at it really regularly keep an eye on it you don't want to leave it in the bag too long because you might get problems with mildew or or fungus caused by that very moist air so as soon as you can start getting the bag off by introducing gradual amounts of air then do that because it really will benefit the plant this plant does need high humidity anyway i mean about 45 to 50 percent is ideal a bit more will be fine also so you know even once the bag is off it's a plant that you'll need to think about grouping with other plants or, or putting on a pebble tray just to make sure it's it's got a moist air around it at all times but obviously by putting the bag on you increase air humidity to well probably 90 percent 
that really does allow the plant to have a bit of a break while those roots establish. And that plastic bag technique is also really, really useful if you do have a plant that's got a serious spider mite infestation, a calathea or a tenanthe. You can just stick them in a big clear plastic bag, uh, treat them obviously, and then put them in the bag. It increases humidity around the plant and the spider mites don't like that. So that's another occasion when you can use the plastic bag technique. Final occasion when it's really useful if you're going away and you're very worried about that plant suffering. By putting it in a plastic bag over that period where you're away for a few days, obviously no one's going away right now, but hopefully in the future we'll be able to go on holiday again. Yeah, putting it in that plastic bag will just ease its way through that period. It won't lose as much water through evaporation and therefore when you come back the plant won't have dried out. So plastic bags are very useful. Obviously you can reuse them, just wash them out with hot soapy water and rinse and hang to dry and you'll find that you can get repeated uses out of those plastic bags. I hope that helps Jodie and as always if you've got a question for me drop me a line on the ledge podcast at gmail.com Q&A special coming next week. Regular listeners to the show will know that I've had a bit of a bee in my bonnet about the lack of good plant emojis for some time now. And if you recall, I've been talking to my assistant Kelly about this issue and we've been trying to figure out how to get this rectified. We'd got as far as figuring out that Unicode are the body that decide what emojis are available on your smartphone and computer. And we've got illustrator Jesse East Ward on board to design us a draft monster relief emoji. But I wasn't quite sure where to take it after that. But that was when an email pinged itself into my inbox from a certain Cassidy Moody. Cassidy is Senior Digital Media Specialist at Missouri Botanical Garden in St. Louis, Missouri in the US. And I almost cheered when his message arrived because he has himself gone through this process of submitting an emoji. In his case, for an orchid flower. What a good idea that is. So we decided to have a chat so I could pick his brains and find out exactly how the whole process works and what steps we need to take to get us all texting, tweeting and posting with a new monstra leaf emoji. It all started for Cassidy when he wanted to put a social media post up about an orchid show at Missouri Botanical Garden and found that, well, hang on, how was he going to do it? There wasn't an orchid emoji. I'll let Cassidy take up the story. I work with a lot of botanists, so they're very specific about what type of plant it is. And so a hibiscus and a tulip and a rose and a sunflower just didn't do the orchid any justice. So I I thought, well, I think there should be an orchid emoji. How do I do that? And then that led me to um, the Unicode Consortium and uh, their strict guidelines for creating an emoji. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, this is too much. There's no way that, you know, some random person from St. Louis is going to get an emoji made. I mean, the Unicode Consortium is Apple and Microsoft and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, all these big power tech companies and um, making these decisions. And so I, I was on the verge of, of giving up um, until I found some other people that had um, proposed 
different plant emoji. Um, there's a, a group called Emoji Nation that had um, submitted proposals for onion and garlic. Um, and their, their whole platform is, you know, this is accessible. Um, ordinary people can do this. So that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then I started um, digging into you sort of how to prove your case that what you think should be an emoji should be an emoji. And that is uh, quite a lot of information that they want. I think the proposal for the orchid was, uh, the orchid emoji was eight to 10 pages. Wow. Have you got through any of the hurdles yet? Have you got through stage one? Is the orchid emoji happening? <laughs> I, um, I feel confident that it is moving forward. That's my sort of tepid way of saying I think it's going to happen. So the first step in the uh, once you submit the proposal is it's looked over by uh, something called the Emoji Subcommittee. Um, and they go through the proposals. They see if it has uh, merit. Um, is it something that they think people will use? Are there multiple ways in which people could use the emoji that you're proposing? And if they feel like you've got a solid proposal, then they'll pass it up the chain to the, the Unicode Technical Committee, the UTC. And they meet a little less frequently, but they're, they're sort of the ones that are the final sign-off. So uh, the ORCID emoji specifically made it through the emoji subcommittee. They actually had some revisions, some things that they, they thought I should add to make the proposal stronger than... Um, once they approved it and it was looked over by by the UTC and the emoji subcommittee had recommended it for being added. Uh, that's where it's at. My understanding is two years from submission of a proposal to getting an emoji is that's a fast track timeline. So we're a little less than a full year into this and to already be this far along feels very promising. That's great. Well, I have to say, when you're talking about the emoji meeting happening, I'm ju I just have this mental image of lots of little, you know, uh, you probably haven't seen the emoji movie. I have had the delight of watching the emoji movie with my children. So now in my mind, it's like the smiley face and the... <laughs> And all these different emojis actually like emojis sitting there discussing it. I don't know why. It's just my crazy world. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I have also seen that movie with my children. So I, I can vividly picture uh, what yeah. you're saying. I mean, I think I slept through quite a lot of it, as I usually do with these kids' movies. But I do vividly remember some some parts of the film. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is the thing is that, you know, like anything to us using emojis, it may just seem like it just organically happens. But obviously somebody has to be the gatekeeper for this stuff. What I'm always confused by, though, and I guess this is in my own little blinkered cultural world, that some of the emojis, even plant related ones, I have no idea what they mean. I mean, do you know what the one with the bamboo is all about? Like, it looks like a bamboo tower or something it's like three sort of chopped off bamboo yeah the, it it has i think uh cultural significance um and it's it's sort of interesting to see different platforms will list that emoji in different places so in some platforms uh the bamboo is is among the other plants in sort of the animals and nature category and in other um 
on other platforms, it, it might be listed sort of under like travel and places, or uh, I don't remember exactly all of the categories, but that's something that, you know, I think the Unicode consortium is looking for in these proposals is not just, you know, that emoji isn't, you would, you would never just use that as a direct representation for bamboo. You know, it, it, having that extra meaning makes it more useful as an emoji. Right. And I guess, you know, in a way, the orchid, surely that is a, a globally understood iconic flower that should that does deserve a place in the emojis i'm hoping that's also true of the uh leaf of monstrous disiosia the swiss cheese plant whatever you like to call it the split leaf philodendron or however it's sometimes called in the u.s what do you think are the chances of of a a monster leaf emoji proposal being successful with your experience of the process thus far? I, I will say that I, I thought strongly enough of it that I started searching to see if people were requesting it. And that's where I, I came across your uh, sort of mock-up of what that could look like. And, and that's how this connection happened. Um, and I think that Monsteros are certainly having a moment. Uh, they are very popular probably some of the most influential plants out there on social media. And uh, I think that works in its favor. And I think that uh, as long as you can position it well in terms of explaining what other meanings it, it might have for people or how people would use it, and that's really what the Unicode Consortium is looking for, is this um, a, a ability to show you're not just going to use that emoji to directly reference a monstera leaf every time. Right. So I've just watered my monstera leaf. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, it would be about sort of jungliness. It might be about luxury. It might be about style. I need to do some more thinking about that, though, because that's a really interesting point that hadn't really fully occurred to me. What would you be saying with a monster leaf? What was the orchid version of that? What, what were you kind of what did you say for that part of the proposal for the orchid? Well, I had to dig a little uh, deeper because it was sort of trying to figure out what it means to different people. And actually, one of the suggestions that the emoji subcommittee gave to me was that orchids are really popular in lays specifically lays for graduation. So the orchid emoji has the potential to be used in a conversation about somebody, say, graduating. And being from the Midwest, we don't have orchid lays readily available to us. So culturally, it was just something I was unaware of. I don't um, even, and, I'm really sorry to stop you. I don't know what a lay <laughs> means. What is a lay? Uh, sort is of a, a, a garland of uh, flower blooms. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. thinking of like L-A-Y as opposed to L-E-I. Sorry, that's just my, again, my cultural blinkeredness coming through. Now I know yeah. what you mean. A lay, a lay, not a lay. <laughs> well, oh, I, had, okay. I had sort of blindness to it. And, you know, I also made the case that orchids are both very rare and very common. So the phalaenopsis, which is what, we based the emoji design off of is a very common houseplant. Um, it's a very common gift to give to people. Um, and so it, you hope that instantly uh, it's recognizable as an orchid by being shaped like a phalaenopsis. 
Um, but additionally, what it does is it represents this huge family of uh, flowering plants that isn't represented in emoji. And some orchids are incredibly rare. And so sort of by having that broader representation, you can use it when talking about discovering new orchids, uh, which is still something that happens today. People are still finding new orchids, protecting orchids in the wild. And for a lot of people, again, myself not included in this, uh, being in very temperate Midwest settings, um, but orchids grow freely around people's houses in, in places like Florida and other sort of more tropical places. So they really more are more ever present than just picking one up at the grocery store to put in your windowsill. Yeah, we've got to think about this in global terms, of course, because everyone everywhere has smartphones now and is is using these emojis in all kinds of ways we probably can't even conceive. So uh, you've given me hope that the monster emoji may be p doable. I mean, Cassidy, is it possible for me to have a look at your or orchid? I mean, this sounds like somebody I'm going to be stealing your homework, but I'd love to have a look at your proposal just to get an idea, even on the actual layout and things. Is there a set layout that you have to apply? They have parameters. So they have different sort of boxes you need to check. Uh, they ask for search result numbers. Um, they ask you to sort of make those cases for multiple meanings, multiple uses, how it may be used in a sequence with other emoji to sort of create a complete thought. Um, and so all of that is laid out on the Unicode website. But I w will say for me that um, looking at other proposals was what sort of really helped me figure out how to strengthen the ORCID proposal that we submitted. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Emoji Nation is this group that um, works and, and puts out quite a bit of proposals. And so knowing that they had had success getting a couple of plant emojis uh, created, and then I, I sort of, they, they actually have a template um, that people can use. Um, but I sort of created my own at the time um, just following the guidelines and it's homework. And I've been out of school long enough that I sort of forgot how to do homework. And once I got into that mindset, it really became, uh, fairly easy. Um, and so in addition to the orchid emoji, we did also submit a holly emoji. Uh, I was in the Christmas spirit around the holidays. And so, um, I thought that that was uh, a plant that deserved a space in the emoji verse. Yeah, for sure. I can't believe that wasn't already there. Uh, yeah, and it's, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see when it gets to a, a broader review and I, I get some feedback if something like the Christmas tree, you know, these the, the people that are making these decisions say, oh, well, Christmas tree is already Christmassy enough. You don't need any more Christmas emojis. So I, in that uh, example, I was making the case that it has meaning outside of just the holidays and Christmas. So fingers crossed on that one as, as well. But I can, I can, I'd be happy to share those proposals with you. Um, I actually wrote a couple of blog posts sort of following the, uh, our case for making the orchid an emoji and kind of laying out how underrepresented plants are in emoji form. And so the proposal is actually linked in that blog post. And then what um, what I did was follow up uh, Unicode 
technical committee approved this year's round of emoji and it had uh, five, I think it was five new plants, five or six new plant related emojis. And so we, that gives us a chance to talk about it again. And really it's just uh, an evolving process. I find myself maybe once, once every other day, Googling some sort of plant emoji to see if somebody is requesting it or if somebody's working on it. I think one of the the emojis that's coming in that latest batch is a potted plant emoji, which I have to say I wasn't that keen on. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I, I do, yes. So I like what it represents, uh, but I I know uh, I know what you're saying that it um, seems. But but here's what I'll say about that is that each platform that uses the emoji language designs their own version of it. Oh, okay. So what you may see today as representing the potted plant emoji, which sort of looks maybe like it could be a snake plant or maybe a bromeliad of some sort, um, but really the designers for these different platforms can could put any plant that they want in there right. okay. the 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 pot could be terracotta instead of this silver um the plant could be a fern instead of what whatever this is um that's in there and um and that's part of the problem is that looking at it from a botanical standpoint i can't identify that plant so it feels weird to use a plant emoji but i can't say even within a plant family what it is this is where it gets interesting because they seem to spend so long debating on whether to include the emoji and then there's this free-for-all when it comes to the design which from a botanical point of view is quite disturbing to me the thing i don't like about that the one that i've seen the image that i've seen i don't know if that's the one they submitted with the proposal but is that it's completely symmetrical which is just for me totally wrong no plant is completely symmetrical like no human face is fully symmetrical so it just it freaks me out yeah somebody needs to prune it a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean it just looks it looks unnatural but anyway that's just my uh, little little um my issue and i guess this would be true of a monster leaf emoji that every designer would have their own take on it but i guess my position is that it's such a strong and iconic thing that everybody would everybody even if you're not into houseplants you're going to recognize that leaf and it'll it has a resonance with everybody whether you're a, a houseplant lover or not um, and indeed in some cultures it might have a resonance as a food plant or it might have a resonance as uh, a plant that you grow in your garden or whatever. So, yeah, I think this is very interesting. I can see I've got a lot of work to do here, Cassidy. I need to I need to knuckle down and get my homework done, as you say. Is there any particular good time to submit these proposals or is it just whenever you get round to getting it finished, as it probably will be in my case? Uh, my understanding is that they um, they're sort of a reset in the in the process not not a reset but uh, the end of march the end of this month is sort of um if you if you can get it in by that time frame then you have a better chance of starting that sort of two-year clock early um so the the orchid emoji for instance we submitted in july of last year um which wasn't ideal um, cause it was sort of mid mid year for how these cycles work, um, with, 
the UTC. Um, so uh, if you're if you if you need a goal in mind, a date to shoot for, I would say March 31st would be a good time to get it in by. Okay. I need a deadline. As a journalist, a deadline is absolutely vital. If you don't give me a deadline, we're in deep trouble. So that is great to know. Well, that is all excellent information, Cassidy. Is there anything else, any other tips you'd like to share? Well, I think, um, you know, the biggest thing I would do is encourage others to take a look at this and think about the plants that they wish were available in emoji form and, um, and consider going through this process or connecting with somebody um, like yourself or myself who is is trying to to get these uh, more of these created um, because there is just there's maybe I think I counted up a, somewhere around sixty plants that are um, in emoji form and uh, there's just there's so much potential to add more. Indeed. Yes, we need those plants in there because so many people, uh, um, well, there's so many important plants in the world and they're so vital that we we do need to, to get them in there. And I find myself on, I mean, this is why this all started really was just the fact that I'd come to do, uh, add an emoji to something and think I want a monster relief emoji and there isn't one. So this is where it all begins. Uh, hopefully we will get there. Well, one last thing I forgot to ask you, how did you decide is it a white or a pink or what color is your is your orchid our orchid is mostly pink um there ha- it has some darker veining to it um but it's sort of a light pink um and then that that sixth petal in this in the center of the flower is darker but again this is where the designers for the different platforms will sort of take this and run with it um they'll look at the general shape and structure of what we submitted and they'll decide especially when you really shrink it down to emoji size maybe you can't have some of the veining that's in our our design um, or maybe they don't like the color or the pink maybe they think white is a better representation and and it's where they have the freedom to sort of take what our proposal was and make it their own well, this is very exciting. I'm I got to just knuckle down and get the homework done, but um I'm hoping this will inspire some listeners to start uh searching around for emojis that that they would like to see and also helping me put together this proposal because it sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> but hopefully worth it to get that uh, that emoji. Is it noted in the annals of Unicode that you were the person who kind of came up with the orchid emoji? Do you get any credit? Well, your name's on the proposal, so that uh is is credit um, and those proposals they they post them on online so in that way my my name and the designer's name uh, Sam Balmer so he did the actual design of the emoji and I worked uh, mostly on the proposal but our our names are going to always be connected to that but b- sort of beyond that I mean I I kind of thinking it is giving it to the people um, it's not really I mean I'll take personal pride in it and I'll probably brag to all my friends and relatives that I got it done. But, um, but by making it available to everybody, um, I'm happy to sort of fade into ambiguity there. Yeah. Well, I guess the first time, you know, you, you get, you see something online where somebody's used that orchid emoji, uh, for what, and it may be in some completely unexpected context, that will be an exciting moment. So that I'm sure will make it all worthwhile. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me today, Cassidy. And I, I feel inspired and energised. And um, we look forward to expanding the emoji plant universe as, as soon as possible. Yeah, thank you for having me and, and good luck on, on your journey to make a Monstera emoji. Thank you. Thank you, Cassidy. Those of you who were listening carefully will have already detected that I've blown right through that suggested end of March deadline. But hey... Uh, things have been happening around here (laughs) so let's not worry about that but there are some things that we need to start to do now to put together this proposal and there are ways that you can help I would absolutely love it if you could tweet or Instagram or Facebook about this issue you can always tag at Unicode on Twitter and just express how much you'd like to have a monster relief emoji because the more examples I can get together of people expressing in a desire to tweet the monster relief, the stronger my case will be. So do do that if you possibly can. I will put a reminder out on social media in the coming days and I would love to have your support. So get behind our campaign by putting your social media posts up saying, where is my monster relief emoji? I need it. Thanks to Cassidy for providing such brilliant advice. I've now had a look at his orchid emoji proposal and it's made it a lot clearer what I need to do to piece together the proposal. I'm going to have a look and see if there's maybe some kind of wiki tool I can use to make that open access so everyone can contribute anyone who's a whiz with that kind of thing let me know and if you've got any top skills in the way of uh, searches for web statistics then also let me know because you could be very handy and thanks also to Jesse Eastward who has done the design for our monster leaf emoji and you can see that in the show notes and I'll be putting it up around on social media as well in the coming days and perhaps this has inspired you if there's an emoji that you'd like to see maybe you can't live without an ivy leaf emoji an echeveria emoji or maybe a mealybug emoji wouldn't that be fun well now you know what you have to do i will put links in the show notes to cassidy's blog posts on the subject which really lay out how this all works and i'd love to see more plant emojis added to that list because there just aren't enough of them right now all for this week's show i'll be back next friday with our q and a special and if i possibly can i'll be putting out a midweek bonus too i've got a great idea for it i'm not sure if it's going to come off but if it does it's going to be wonderful and it might make me well and it might give you goosebumps gave me goosebumps anyway i'm giving away too much Uh, It may not work out, so don't get overexcited. But hopefully the midweek bonus will be with you. And we will be back next Friday for a full episode as usual. Stay home. Stay safe. Keep listening to On The Ledge. Bye.
The music you heard in this week's episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Day Gakana by Samuel Corwin, and Tours by Enthusiast, all licensed under Creative Commons. See janeperone.com for details.